It's time for Crop Talk, local issues that area growers and producers are talking about. Crop Talk is brought to you by Halderman Real Estate and Farm Management Services and Harmeyer Auction and Appraisal Company. With our farm expert, Scott Caldwell. Good morning, everybody, and welcome back to the program. This is Scott Caldwell with you once again this weekend. And today I am talking with Colt Van Natta. And Colt's a good friend. I've known him for a little while here. And so I want to talk to him about and his background and stuff with natural resources uh, and all that that's going on. So Colt, glad to have you with us today. Hi, Scott. Nice to be here. So tell me a little bit about your ag background and kind of where you came from and got to where you are today. What's that path look like for you? I grew up on a, the family farm in northeastern Rush County around Falmouth. Family has mostly grain, uh, probably three, four hundred acres, and then we've dabbled around in some animals off and on throughout the years. Had some chickens, had some hogs. Mostly I grew up with beef cattle. Went to high school at Rushville and went on to Purdue University for my bachelor. Studied animal science. Wound up over the years trying to decide what I wanted to do and. and got on with the soil and water conservation district out of college and, and kind of saw how some of the forms of government work and, and, and really had my eye on the Natural Resources Conservation Service or just NRCS or SCS depending on who you are and when you grew up what you know it by and, <laughs> and moved on and up in the, in the career from that point of view. And so I know that you know, you've had one job for a while there, and you just recently changed jobs. So talk about what it is that you do now, and then follow that with the people that you oversee that were doing the things that you used to do. Okay. So I started about a year ago as my position now is called the planning team leader, and it supervises several offices in counties in, in a little general area, uh, conservationists, and, and what they work on, most of the people that I supervise are known as district conservationists. And that's what I did for 15 years here in Connersville and, and helped out in some of the surrounding areas. A lot of what they do is just trying to, to help educate and promote environmentally friendly agriculture practices with financial and, and technical knowledge. Okay. So when you say district, how is a district defined? Because for me, in my head, you know, I always think a county, but they've got more than that then, right? Yeah, it depends on each specific office. Some of them have more they've incorporated over time. But basically, it started out with the soil and water conservation districts, which are county levels. And at the time that those districts were created, I think it came right after the Dust Bowl is when they started to be formed. Okay. And then each county requested assistance from USDA and that's where the district conservationists came in to play the local role for each of those counties and this workload has changed and, and some of the resources are grouped together certain offices or counties are combined so one district conservationist such as Fayette and Union counties are combined but you get to a bigger county just area-wise by Wayne County they'll they'll have their own office okay so you talked about your background in going to Purdue and animal science and things there, when, in, but interested in natural resources. If you've got a kid, a young person that's interested in this career path, what are some things that you would recommend to them maybe to do as far as classes or training or experience? What are some things to, as you're looking at people that will be working for you in the future, 
what are those what do you want them to have yeah that's a great question we we go through a lot of that and just promoting and trying to find resources of people for our offices and basically the local level of conservation is a soil and water conservation district that's the easiest place to go in and just introduce yourself say that you're interested a lot of those offices have smaller <laughs> positions that are available that you can go in and work in actually that's that's how i got started down in dubois in pike county and from there there are also internships with the natural resources conservation service so in college if you're looking for a summer job they have positions that are announced there's a website called usa staffing Mm-hmm. You can go in there, create a profile, and then just save a search of what you're interested in. Or again, you can just go to the local office and ask for information, and they can provide that to you. Awesome. All right, well, we're going to take a quick break, get a word from our sponsor, and when we come back, we're going to go uh, get off the personal part and look at the professional part and what's going on out uh, in the world right now. So we'll be back in just a moment. Are you receiving the correct cash rent? Is there improvements that could be made to increase your return from your farmland investment? Take advantage of the current strong ag economy and let us help you evaluate your farming operation and maximize your investments. At Halderman Real Estate and Farm Management, we bring over 90 years of experience and knowledge to the table. We listen and can understand your farming goals. We offer advice, recommendations, solutions, and create a plan on how we can help you meet your needs and goals. Take advantage of the current strong ag economy. Contact Chris or Lauren Peacock or Craig Springmeyer and let us help you evaluate your farming operation and maximize your investment. Experience, knowledge, and professionalism. Contact Halderman today at Halderman.com. All right, and we are back again. This is Scott Caldwell talking with Colt Van Netta and looking at some of the experiences that he has and with you know, natural resources. So, Colt, talk to me a little bit about now the fact that we're in the spring, uh, nicer weather, people are out planting, we've got schools out, kids are walking the woods and playing and uh, doing all that, spending time outdoors. Uh, what are some things that, you know, we hear the term invasive species. What should these people, these young people, older people any age be looking for be aware of what is an invasive species sure i would say that the invasive species are species that are are not native to this area they have been introduced some way shape or form sometimes they were brought over as is wildlife cover or that they thought that they were for landscaping and they looked nice some of them have been for erosion control functional purposes things like that but they have spread over time and then they take over our native species we have several of them here in this area i would say in woods forest tree type settings is where you'll find the majority of them we've got a a couple here that i would say are the most dominant is definitely asian bush honeysuckle is number one i would say and then we've got a, a couple secondary ones multiflora rose autumn olive and then you get maybe farther down the list uh tree of heaven burning bush things like that are all considered invasive species uh the easiest way to identify let's say the bigger ones the the asian bush honeysuckle the the autumn olive in early spring the first things that typically green up 
are those plants. That's one of the reasons they're so aggressive. They have that advantage. And then they are also one of the last things left green at the fall right before we go into winter. So early April, you'll see a lot of Asian bush honeysuckle. It can be just a little bit over head height, maybe up to 10 feet tall, starting to green up and it'll get white flowers on it in the spring. Then later in the fall, they turn to little red berries. And again, they're the last yep. things left green, typically around November one, but you'll, you'll see a really thick canopy, just a little overhead height of those. And then you look okay. underneath them and they really choke out everything else underneath them. Okay. Now you mentioned a couple things in there. Tree of heaven is one that pe- some people think look really pretty, but if you know anything about it, not so much fun. But the one that I think surprises a lot of people when we talk about invasives is the burning bush. That was something that's at one point at least was fairly common in landscaping mm-hmm. ideas, right? Yep. So why did that become popular in the landscaping and why is it such a problem? As far as the landscaping, I'm just going off of my <laughs> my opinion on that one, but it's just its color and, mm-hmm. and kind of the scenic view that it gives right. uh, and what it brings to a yard. But it spreads easily and it gets into woods and you'll find it scattered throughout. Just that it moves really easy and, and, and goes from location to location, spread by animals, and and it gets gets along pretty well. And is a, I would consider it a moderately aggressive plant. For our invasives, there's definitely worse, but it's one of those up there. So what's the best thing to do when you see an invasive species like that? How should you take care of that? I mean, I know it's kind of a general term because there's a lot of ways and different things with different plants, but what's what's some steps that people need to be aware of? Sure. There's different resources kind of depending on the area that you live around here i would say that there there are different treatments for different species and even within species there are different treatments depending on stage of its life so that can be very confusing (laughs) i would say you could approach several different resources there are invasive plant groups committees that you could contact you can find them if you you google them look online or again you can contact the the local conservation office nrcs soil and water conservation both of those offices should have information on it also you've got dnr foresters they're really good with that information as well and i know i've talked before uh, talked recently on the show with uh, the county extension office and getting resources as well i assume that would be another place to get some stuff for them too yeah, that'd be another location to go ahead and, and check for information on. Yeah. So it's always cool to see the ag industry and how well we can work together at all these different places that everybody's got their specialties and things that they do, but being able to support each other as well, and that's a really neat thing to see. So, all right, so I appreciate you coming on here talking about that. Uh, what about, is there anything we need to know on soil health in the last little bit here? Yeah, I think that's one of the, the biggest areas of potential for our area. We, we look at ground and they don't make any more ground. You hear people right. say that all the time. Yep. So you can't go out and make more. But what you can do is you can increase the health of yours. So when you build it, you build depth. You're not necessarily adding here, there, off to the left, to the right. It's building it down. And you can do that through organic matter, um, relieving compaction, things like that, just to, to increase the health of your own soil. Cover crops are a huge one that we've recently gotten into. We always talk about, you know, what has been done historically or through the family. And those are typically 
easier things for people to get involved with. They're like, hey, I remember that. If they have some kind of attachment to it or memory of it. And we go back in history, and maybe the previous generation before ours didn't do it as much, but you go back a couple more, and a lot of our grandparents at some point in time had some form of cover crops, whether it was for crops, or a lot of them they used for livestock and grazing purposes. Yeah. So it's interesting to see how history comes back and kind of repeats itself and, sure and the usefulness of that. That's awesome. So, Colt, before I let you go, I've got to ask you the same question I ask all my guests at the end, and that's what's something you wish you had known when you were younger? I would say the importance of taking chances. And it could mm. be big or small. Just maybe it's taking a chance on somebody to talk to that you think, well, I don't know if. I'll learn anything there, or even for me, I think of when I was in college and my counselor, I studied animal science, and I really wanted to get into the animal field, and they're like, hey, take a chance, get out of the animal (laughs) classes, and so I didn't go crazy, but I definitely got out of the animal side and took a soil science class, Uh, and I don't think that I would have applied for my first job with the Soil and Water Conservation District if I didn't have that class and that knowledge to build on, and that's basically led me to where I am today. So there's there's lots of things that can be learned just by taking chances, whether large or small. That's a great piece of advice. I really appreciate it. Folks, hope you had a good time listening to the program, learned a little bit today. Uh, this has been Scott Caldwell talking with Colt Van Natta. And as always, just remind you, make sure you take the time to tell your story and agriculture story because they deserve to be heard. Have a great day. Crop Talk is brought to you by Halderman Real Estate and Farm Management and by Harmeyer Auction and Appraisal Company. Thanks for listening, and join us next Sunday morning immediately after Community Caravan for Crop Talk. With farm expert Scott Caldwell. From the station proud to support our area growers and producers, Kicks 96.